Guilty as charged. Yep, that's me as we welcome you into the fast lane on the CBS Sports Are we talking Radio. about Ty Gibbs? We are. How'd you know, Trey? I didn't even look at the thing. I just knew it. I just, I had a feeling. We haven't even gotten to our votes of confidence right now. Might want to grab him at 50 to 1 for New Hampshire this weekend. I've seen him as low as 33 to 1 in other spots. You know me. I just, I can't quit it. It's like part of my DNA, Trey. But the comical part to that is it ties into a bigger picture theme that can really be applied to all sorts of sports. And, you know, look. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm one who's, you know, rushed to project greatness from a guy who's a rookie and has not even gotten a top five finish consistently, much less gotten a victory lane in the NASCAR Cup. Yeah, at series. least Sam Mayer's finished second a couple times when I pick him. So yeah, I'm and just ex- saying. I mean, my guy has, you know, meanwhile been in the top five and then found ways to wreck out or have a speeding penalty or some other issue that pops up late in the race. And voila, he just can't finish the deal. Um, it brings us to a point, though. Then you may have seen this on social media. There are few things that bring me humor and joy, quite like your patented Nick Saban speech. You could call it a rant in some cases, although I wouldn't necessarily put this in the rant category. He's had some epic ones of those. But it's something that actually does tie into Ty Gibbs. It ties into Victor Webinyama and Scoot Henderson and what we've seen in limited action In the Summer League, basically glorified G League. It's something that we've seen often in other sports as well, and that is this quick proclamation of somebody being great, really good, really talented, and the potential to be great, oh, it's definitely there. Heck, we saw it with the rise uh, at Wimbledon from Christopher Eubanks, uh, the former Georgia Tech tennis player. Carlos Alcaraz, who's won a Grand Slam, may win another one. Hopefully, uh, it's Novak Djokovic, but I'd be okay if Alcaraz wins on Sunday if he uh, gets that far, because I'd at least uh, make out with a a mild profit from this year's championships. But you say that because people are ready to anoint so many figures as the next great thing. And realistically, there are stumbles before you get to the top. Heck, Look in sports in a lot of cases when someone might actually catch lightning in a bottle early in their career, and whether or not that success is sustained over a long period of time. And are they equipped for the trappings of fame? What happens when you handle success and there are more people tugging at your time? I'll throw another tennis example, but everyone knows her because she's very easy on the eyes, but Emma Raducanu, who won the U.S. Open a couple years ago. And yet all of a sudden... She gets endorsement deals. She wants to be, you know, people want her to hit with Princess Kate and everybody else. And look, there's nothing wrong with those opportunities. But unless you've navigated that time and time again, it's really difficult to juggle the success and the balance that pops in. So we've outlined different sports and different analogies. Heck, look at the team that we'll be discussing around 540 today with Seth Wickersham from ESPN.com. He's got another piece up about Dan Snyder. But remember when he came in and he was the poster child during his tenure operating the Commanders and presumably owning it if the sale goes through July 20th, as most people expect. Look at him during his tenure and what he did and what he wanted. Instant results, instant gratification. We're going to churn through coaches in a year or two because we just don't think it's going to happen. Shiny new object in free agency, signing guys way past their prime like Mike, Mark Carrier, Adam Archuleta, Deion Sanders, Bruce Smith, God bless him, Virginia Tech fans, but he was not the Bruce Smith of Buffalo, and we could go on with that. Heck, Steve Spurrier, shiny new object as a coach. By the way, as an Eagles fan, I take great joy that they welcomed him to the NFL with a blowout loss, and they sent him out of the NFL with his last loss as well, a blowout at the hands of then Andy Reid in Philadelphia. 
why would we ever go with a long process dedicated over a longer period of time? The reality is people want instant results. And this is not to bemoan our microwave society, if you will. But it touches on Nick Saban's latest point that ties into something that we as sports fans, people who might throw a couple of shekels down on an event, or maybe even if you're a participant in some form or fashion yourself, that in reality, there are not a lot of shortcuts the way you might think. And we kind of have a younger generation now that doesn't always get told no. Uh, they don't always get told this is exactly how you need to do it. Um, so they have this illusion that they have all these choices. But the fact of the matter is, is if you want to be good, you really don't have a lot of choices because it takes what it takes. You have to do what you have to do to be successful. So you have to make the choices and decisions to have the discipline and the focus to the process of what you need to do to accomplish your goals. Nick Saban, it takes what it takes. I mean, look, I love it. And I understand his style is not necessarily for everyone. And you're dealing with someone who has had a healthy respect for Tim Duncan and the Spurs, often criticized as the least glamorous of these dynasties the NBA has had over the last 20 years. The Lakers, the Bulls, the Heat, the Golden State Warriors, the Spurs. Nobody liked them because they weren't flashy, especially in a league that emphasizes flash and pizzazz and doesn't help. I'm a Novak Djokovic guy. Best Grand Slam player by far, best men's tennis player of all time. And maybe poised to grow that number for the bankroll, of course. I hope that happens. But realistically, he didn't have the tenacity of Roger Federer, although he may be a better fighter, if anything, excuse me, than Rafael Nadal. Clearly didn't have the grace of Roger Federer. That's another example. Alabama, they weren't nearly as fun as Clemson when Dabo Swinney was winning. Granted, it's much more sustained than what that program has had. Similarly, Georgia, kind of the Saban blueprint, but a little more loosey-goosey culture. Not shocking, it's translated into a lot of guys getting pulled over for speeding violations, including Jalen Carter, whose uh, boneheaded decision, thankfully for Philadelphia's sake, of course, caused him to fall to ninth in the NFL draft when he might have been the top pick. But there are a bunch of examples of that. You know, people want the instant gratification. Now, to Nick Saban's point, as a society, it's not just young people. I think that's clearly more exacerbated in percentage-wise or probably more of them. But frankly, a lot of people want instant gratification and results. Now, when Dan Snyder took over running the franchise in Washington, D.C., he was one of the youngest owners in the history of professional sports at the time. And yes, that I want it now. I'm used to churning and burning. And if I run through one person, it doesn't matter. Someone else will find success. Doesn't really work like that. Usually it takes what it takes. It's not always a glamorous process. Even if you're blessed with great ability and skill, at some point you're going to encounter patches of adversity. And so it appropriately, Trey, ties back to the point about Ty Gibbs and your guy Sam Mayer. We both would love to see them break through because we've been touting it in our votes of confidence fairly regularly in the fast lane. We might even do it this coming Friday when we look ahead to New Hampshire. But the reality is it's rarely that clear meteoric rise of a breakthrough. And even when that happens, it doesn't actually pop off. Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson have shown a lot of promise. They're going to encounter their ups and downs in the NBA in their first couple of years. they got to grow out physically. they got to deal with the longer schedule, the adjustments of a game plan that pop in. Same thing happens in the NFL. Pick your sport. It's the reality of it. And so Nick Saban does bring up a bigger picture point that's challenging. And I get it. It's a fine line. You know, I've been down on Tony Elliott at Virginia, and there seems to be a level of apathy, and we'll get to that in a greater moment a little bit later. 
uh, because that's a whole separate topic for its own. And sometimes, you know, the guy's just not the right guy for the job. And you can make an argument, maybe Tony Elliott's in that camp. I think you knew that James Johnson at Virginia Tech, that he just wasn't the right guy to be their head coach and only lasted a couple of years. But truth of the matter is, in a lot of cases, it does take time and a process, and it's not microwavable results overnight. And again, I guess, Trey, for the last point for me is, Brett Pry at Virginia Tech. You're starting to see them make gains on the recruiting trail, but it didn't happen immediately. His first year, you kind of cobbled together a class. They go 3-8 and eight on top of that. Meanwhile, they're finally getting some momentum going. Liberty, as much momentum as they have in football recruiting with Jamie Chadwell, and I think they're poised to win Conference USA this year, I don't think they'll be the best version of themselves as a football program this year. It's not a knock on Jamie Chadwell, but the reality is it's going to take a couple of years to get him in place. Ultimately, there is a process, and there's a how the sausage is made that people don't want to see, but inevitably, the sweet taste of the sausage, so to speak, comes from a process, and that's the reality that I think just in general as sports fans can often get lost on us, and there's nothing wrong with being excited, but it's why we often say tempered enthusiasm. All right, you covered a lot of bases there, so let's break that down. And, and I, I, cause I'm, I got confused. Um, so you started out with Ty Gibbs and his hope, and then you went to the NBA and his hope, and now you're at Virginia Tech and Liberty and their hope. Yes. So what 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 is the question? The question is, should we be expecting instant results, or should we understand that even though we are excited for the potential for instant results as a sports fan of insert your team participant, organization, whatever it is, that when there's unexpected disappointment or maybe natural disappointment, that while it's okay to be upset as a fan because you didn't get the desired outcome, it's not necessarily wise to just go jumping off the proverbial cliff, if you will. So for me, I think anytime you have a rookie or a new project or or a new coach or, or anything, I think you need to increase productivity or show improvement and you look at it we'll see what happens with Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama you look at Wimby his first game you know he's just trying to get the sense of things uh I think the rules where you get unlimited fouls in summer league kind of was like we're just going to foul the crap out of Wimby and Wimby's like all right bet and then he went off in the game too and the Spurs shut him down because they knew what's up so for those two in their rookie year you want to see gradual improvement as for a Ty Gibbs, you want to see the same thing. I think you would like to see him performing at his best towards the end of the year, which I would argue that he had a stretch there where he did improve as the season has gone on, and he's improved as the season's gone on. For Virginia Tech and Liberty, and with Jamie Chadwell, uh, their point is kind of going to be hard to see where the starting point is, because if you look at Hugh Freeze, it was a very much a... I want to say a temporary built roster in terms of heavy transfer portal. We all knew Hugh Freeze's intentions were: I need to get back to the SEC. If you didn't no know, way. if you didn't know that, Liberty fans, um, I have some news. Uh, that's why he built the roster the way he did. I think Jamie Chadwell um, is going to kind of what he did at Coastal, and you know, build a really good high school foundation and then build a program out. So for both of them, and I think. Brent Pry is kind of doing that too, where recruiting, especially at the Power 5 level, if you're down even two years, it might take four or five to just get back going. Because you're even, battling the perception monster. Yeah, and even with the transfer portal, unless you're a USC, an LSU, at Colorado to some degree, but I think Tech has done a really good job, is I think Brent Pry wanted to do it slow. And you look at this past season, 
It was not great. But the best game for the team this year was the last game we've seen all of them on the field, was the win against Liberty. And we don't know how the UVA game would win. My guess is given <laughs> given UVA, Tech would have won that game. Uh, Presuming the tragedy doesn't yes, happen. Yes, of course. Obviously and I am, it's fully justified why that game, that game didn't happen. But the last time we saw Tech on a football field, they actually played fairly well, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is where you would probably want to expect the most improvement. It, now coming to this year, Virginia Tech attacked kind of the two key points they needed to improve on. Quarterback, which they added quarterback depth. We'll see if Grant Wells is the starter. And pass catching. They improved pass catching the most. Now maybe you could argue any position group with immediate pass catching help. Could you argue even further that the Virginia Tech roster looks better now entering this season than it did entering last season? And it's supposed to. And now you look at the recruiting, they've attacked the lines of scrimmage very well. They have attacked the pass catching very well. I think that's how you build a football team is you want to win the line of scrimmage. And Brent Pry, you go look at his defenses, he was really good in the front nine. He he patented LBU, linebacker U. He, he's trying to get good linebackers, good defensive linemen. That's how he's going to build his team. They're going to build it from the offensive and defensive line. And that's how you got to build these developmental rosters. That's why Wisconsin is so successful, why Utah is so successful is because they can develop really well, but they develop the best on the offensive-defensive line, and that's what Virginia Tech is doing, and that's what I think Liberty's going to do. And I think we'll see with UVA. I don't, I'm starting not to trust Tony Elliott as much as I did, if you ask me. If <laughs> You're you just ask me, starting? If you ask me when Trevor Lawrence walked out the door, I'm like, that was a really good hire for UVA. Now that I've watched the Clemson offense for the last three years, minus Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, um, if... If Clemson has a really good offense this year, uh, UVA fans, you might need a new head coach. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm not trying to be the UVA hater here, but I think Ed would agree with me that uh, Tony Elliott's offensive acumen has come into question the last three years. I think that's a good way to put it. We might have a what he said and what he meant coming up, by the way. That's not today. But on DJ Uyunglele, because he's had some interesting comments hey, over this 20th offseason. round draft pick of the Los Angeles Dodgers, DJU. He's got a backup plan. Are you going to chart that potential in the Foul Ball Area podcast? We won't talk about DJU. We'll probably talk a little All-Star game, a little draft. But I think, again, going back to these three points of, of looking at either young programs, young rookies, the best thing you could say is they should, and it's the same thing in the NFL. You want to see a player get better from beginning to end. You want to see a path to progress and, yes. se- and actionable steps that are showing that. Like, go, like look at Zach Wilson. It, the reason Zach Wilson... <laughs> Z- More you, on that in the Fast Five at Five-ish. Don't interject too much. Okay. The reason Zach Wilson is what Zach... Like, Zach Wilson never showed improvement. And that's why they gave up on him so quick. Same thing with... Well, Josh Rosen, I think, was too quick, but it proved to be right. But the reason... You know, and, and then you want to go to the 49ers situation. Well, Trey Lance never had the opportunity to show improvement, and Brock Purdy showed too much improvement where they now have to go with Brock Purdy. So it's it's all about improvement when it comes to young programs, young drivers. Because if you ask Joe Gibbs and Joe Gibbs Racing and, and Chris Gale, the crew chief, he'd be like, what's your goal? He's like, well, with a rookie, maybe we get in the playoffs um, but I would I want to see improvement each and every week, and I would argue that the 54 team is accomplishing that. Um, like you can compare him to the other notable rookie in Noah Gregson, he has not shown improvement. 
Granted, I think that's more because of his car, because they're in a lame duck situation, more than anything, but you, you can see that there. I think with Sam Mayer, he's sort of, he's had these peaks and valleys. He's shown improvement sometimes, and then it's kind of faded a little bit. So, But, but I've picked on Sam Mayer, and I'll say, I think he's shown more improvement this, this year, year than last year, and has come closer to getting to victory lane, especially given that... Josh Berry and Justin Allgaier, who you could argue are the two most accomplished drivers within his organization, have actually been more inconsistent than he has. And JRM has not performed like they had rule changes in the Xfinity. And, you know, JRM was really fast last year. They're not as fast this year. So, uh, again, uh, it, it just brings back to my main point of improvement. I think, and, and would you agree, like, improve, 100%, 100%. improvement is the one thing you want to see from all, like, I have low expectations for UVA because this coming season. But but, but let me let me let me fill in on your point about UVA because I'm 100 with you on this, and that is you've seen the opposite with Virginia. They've had elite talent that has regressed under Tony Elliott, and there is no buzz and momentum in terms of player acquisition right now. Whereas for Liberty, we know they picked it up with Jaden Bradford, the quarterback, but they were trending in the right direction before that news came yeah. out on Friday. Virginia Tech over the last month, and they were again trending in the right direction, but they really have been trending in the right direction to build off of a great transfer portal class in terms of just raw talent acquisition and a good job piecemealing it together with Brent Pry. Again, you see actionable things in the program where you go, oh, this is a step of improvement, much like we noted with Ty Gibbs and Sam Ayer. It's that general principle of needing to see that and in those cases actually seeing it. And I I hate doing this kind of argument because the tragedy was the tragedy and like you have to like when we talk about UVA and Tony Tony Elliott right now you have to like eliminate that and I really don't want to eliminate that because I think him and Claire Williams handled that as well Carla as they, Williams. Carla Williams excuse me uh, handled it as well as they possibly could but I think this is a very likely scenario of this year the UVA offense continues to regress Brendan Brendan Armstrong. Brendan Armstrong. I can my name blanked. Brendan Armstrong has a better year, similar to his last year under Bronco at NC State, if he's the starter. Because I could see MJ. But let's say he's the starter. They recruited him. He's playing on that. Clemson now not under the Tony Bennett play call system. Tony Elliott. Tony. Yeah. Shoot. I'm getting my UVA coach. <laughs> this has been a wild day. Tony Elliott. Let's say Clemson under Garrett Riley has the offense they need to compete for a national title. Because that's what they're missing. That's a really bad look for Tony Elliott. 100%. Like, and that's that's the one thing. Like, they've lost a lot of players. I was just going to say, if they could improve, like, let's say their well, offense... And I, what I was going to say is, and I don't mean this in a bad way to wrap it up, because that's a, that's a whole other topic yeah. about where Virginia is as a program and the perception of it and what it could mean at the end of this year. But we're expe- I think at the end of the day, to get to the final point, we're talking about improvement here. Our expectation for Virginia Tech and Liberty this year, and it's hard to gauge what improvement is for Liberty this year, but they're at least showing that improvement as a program. 100%. Where, while UVA is not. It's e- exactly. It's easy to be optimistic about the direction those programs are going because you've seen things last year and even in the offseason where you go, okay, 
The people in charge know what's going on. For Virginia, you just haven't seen that. And again, take the tragedy out of it. People forget that the last game Virginia played of their season last year, and, and understandably why they canceled it early, but was that game where Brendan Armstrong's first two passes against Pitt were both interceptions returned for a touchdown, and you're in a hole 14 to nothing, just like that. And just like that, we're going to punt the fast five at five-ish today. We'll do it tomorrow. Uh, There's sorry, a backload of topics. That's okay, Trey. We'll get to that later because there are things that are not going away. This is the offseason. When we return, though, more on college football, plus a little Women's World Cup and some Wimbledon talk, Chuck Culpepper, the Washington Post, slated to join us next in the fast lane. And then, speaking of dysfunction, and I mean, you can laugh about Virginia, but this is on a whole nother level. The Washington Commanders, soon to be former owner, the subject of another piece by Seth Wickersham and Don Van Nata Jr. Should we put tinfoil hats on for it? Like, I read it. It's a little conspiracy theory, but it all makes sense. It does. And we'll get into that around 540 today in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.